Welcome to Untying Knots, Minds and Souls Untethered with Perry Clark. This program looks at mental health from unique perspectives and shows you how to manage your life by finding the knots that help you and stay away from the ones that could be a disadvantage. Now, here is your host, Perry Clark. Hello, everyone. How is everybody? How are you doing? So I've got another enlightening and wonderful person here to chat with today. But before we start that, let's start with a disclaimer and a reminder that this is not a substitute for mental health therapy. This is for entertainment and educational purposes. So I'm going to encourage you to find a therapist in your area to work on your unique issues and to help you find the path that is your path, not just the blanket manualized one. So today, uh, in that aspect of interesting stories, uh, I have presented twice with my, who I'm chatting with today, and as an associate of ours walked up to us after watching us prep for one of the presentations, he says, and said to me, he's like, oh, so you're work spouses. <laughs> And you can hear them laughing in the background here. So it's like, yeah, we just sort of started beginning known as each other's work spouse in that particular setting. Not that we actually work in the same places, but just that aspect of, oh, that's the work wife and I'm the work husband. It's like, okay. So who I'm talking about is Crystal, Crystal Blanza. I'm tongue-tying myself right now, uh, who is a licensed clinical social worker with over 20 years of experience in the field. She's also an activist, writer, restorative justice facilitator, trainer, mother, and wife here in the Bay Area. Crystal currently works as a uh, program manager for a nonprofit organization working with children and family, works on managing equity teams, and runs a small private practice as well. So she's been being that superwoman, multitasking all of these things. Crystal is very passionate about the integration and intersectionality and cultural elements into her work, including the acknowledgement of environment, social elements, and the impact and individual's experience, experience of the world. She's active in the macro level social work advocacy and active activism to support equality, accessibility, and increasing community resources. So Crystal, welcome to Untying Knots, Minds and Souls Untethered. Thank you so much for having me. It's great to be here. <laughs> So a uh, classic question to start with is how did you find yourself working in this field? Um, you know, that's a great question. I mean, I think, um, I mean, I uh, think I, right. <laughs> I think I, I, my mom mm -hmm. was really my gateway into this work. Um, mm -hmm. My mom was not um, a degreed social worker. Mm -hmm. But, you know, that is exactly what she did in the world was social work. And so, you know, she ran a daycare. She, you know, there was multiple people that lived in my house as I was growing up. Um, and I just got used to what it meant to be present for mm -hmm. other people by watching mm -hmm. my mom. Mm -hmm. So then it kind of felt natural to transition into that kind of work as I got older and you know, working in group homes and working in the segment of um, the work where working with uh, people who had physical disabilities and um, other types of mental disabilities. 
and then landed into drug treatment where I decided um, to go back to school and um, get the rest of those letters. And so that's kind of how, you know, how I got Mm -hmm. into the work. But I think the first reflection was my mom. Mm -hmm. Which was actually interesting with the, I did an interview just before that. So it had a similar story, but it's not one of that is as common amongst everybody that I've had a chance to interview of how the generational influence for this work has come to be for many of us is like, yeah, we've gone through a myriad of other jobs and other experiences before we find ourselves here working in mental health. Right. Absolutely. And I think, you know, um, my mom was an amazing woman um, Mm -hmm. and from the South and moved to California. And I think that there is just so much um, in our culture I want to say in, mm-hmm. in my culture um, as a as a black woman of, you know, how we are or have been socialized mm-hmm. through, you know, all of our experiences and uh, historical traumas um, to be the caregivers, to show mm-hmm. up and be the supporters. And I think that that was one of the things that my mom um, learned from her mom mm-hmm. and from her grandma and showed me. And it just uh, somehow I then ended up as a social worker. <laughs> so there you go. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That, that one thing led to another one. Yeah. And with the work you do, um, as with this, everything that's happened with this pandemic has shown the need for more BIPOC therapists is greatly needed. And I'm curious, how does that also interrelate with the activism work you've done? Yeah, I mean, I think that they are um, two sides of the same coin in Mm -hmm. in many ways. Um, I feel like, um, first of all, I guess I would say that, you know, I'm really, one of the things that calls me to the world of social work is the fact that you know, social justice and activism or Mm -hmm. advocacy is a huge part of our work. Mm -hmm. Um, And so that feels very natural to me in the, to merge some of that. And then I also think as a, um, as a black woman working with other people of color, there's, you know, our existence is political. It Mm -hmm. is, you know, the, the idea of um, advocacy and act and and getting our needs met through those many different um, channels is a is a you know a way of life in, mm-hmm. for the most part. And so I think the, that that it it pairs very well when we get away from some of the traditional ways that um, psychology and other you know formats of of training. Mm-hmm. you know, stick us into certain boxes, right? When mm-hmm. we're able to look at the whole person and what mm-hmm. the whole um, picture of what it means to be a BIPOC person in the world and in the therapy world, I think it pairs very well. Mm-hmm. And this actually gets into another area too, where we could we can tick off an additional box, which actually has to do with the presentations you and I were both giving, which also deals in the areas of our spirituality when we are not, for lack of better script, better example, fitting the big two. When, when I speak of the big two, I'm talking about Christianity or 
Islam. Right. So for us, and I'm coming out here on this uh, standpoint, is I am not a member of either of those two. I do not identify with either of those two. I have a more of an identification with our with working with ancestors, and as a result, that means looking more at some of the more earth-based religions. I'm looking at more of the shall we say African traditional religions as well, right. um, which is a segment of what also exists in this world and the question of how that interacts too with mental health is an area that don't see much written about don't hear much talked about and this is an opportunity for us to let's talk about how that intersection works being people of color who are also not practicing some of the mainstream religions absolutely And I think, you know, one of the powerful things I have uh, witnessed or been able to uh, be a part of with uh, the people that I work with is that kind of exploration of um, not only their their cultural side, but how their different um, spiritual uh, pieces Mm. uh, come together and how that connects to some of their culture and their um, ancestral lineage and also then their stories and what they know um, of their family, um, their trauma histories, uh, Mm -hmm. historical trauma, right? Like it's like this big, you know, uh, old supervisor used to call it a pot of gumbo, right? (laughs) And so it is like this big pot of gumbo that we get to explore and be a part of And I think, you know, um, the spiritual uh, mind, the spiritual body, that part of all of us is relevant in any healing work that we do. Mm -hmm. So it's really powerful to explore some of that in the work that I, Mm -hmm. that I get to do that I'm privileged enough to do with other people. Um, And I think my own I, I guess I'll say my own practices and my own connection to kind of a what some might consider an alternative spiritual path, right? Mm-hmm. Because it isn't one of the the two, um, the big two, um, allows me a lot of understanding and flexibility mm-hmm. to um, navigate with people um, outside of this rigid or potentially rigid box. Mm-hmm. where spirituality and religion is, uh, you know, kind of sits in sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, so I rely on that part of myself a lot, right? Like we can, you know, take a corner here and talk about it in this way. We can talk about it in that way. We can talk about crystals. Let's do some mindfulness. We can speak about, you know, the power of uh, ancestral music and how that supports one with, you know, being present or grounded or, connected to their lineage or their roots or somebody in their family that feels um, like their biggest supporter or did feel like their, mm-hmm. their you know, biggest supporter and exploring that through different avenues. And that feels very natural to me because of some of my spiritual stuff where um, for other people, it may not. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it's amazing. Right. Mm-hmm. And we can talk about it outside of the, the, the box of religion and just connect to the spirituality of a person um, and how those threads go way beyond um, anything that has a religious title on it. 
Mm-hmm. And just to be fair, usually I, I, I refer to the big two. There's usually the big three when we throw Judaism in there as well. Sure. Mm-hmm. Um, as being the big predominance that most happen in the world and most get talked about in the idea of if we're bringing in spirituality, not just not even and I'm not even denying like Buddhism or anything like that, but it's just this sense of, oh, no, when we talk about religion. Is usually one of these big three, and to be frank, if that is your jam, there are plenty of other th- podcasts out there to go and listen to. And I have no problem if you guys want to go listen to that and stop listening here. This is for the rest of us. So, absolutely, exactly. And I think that it also brings into, as you said, these whole this this aspect of the person is much more the whole ma- uh, macro cosms, which includes this spirituality, which includes this both ancestral trauma, historical trauma, but also this ancestral healing and this ancestral or this historical healing as well. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And, and I think the, the one of the beautiful things about it that I've discovered is it, you know, it doesn't stop me from connecting or working with the very same things um, or in the same areas with people who are of other the other bigger uh mm-hmm. religions um because we can connect from a place of spirituality spirituality and connection to ancestral kind of mm-hmm. um threads right mm-hmm. regardless um and that is a really powerful thing and i think you know for some people that's um it gives them permission to explore in a way that they haven't otherwise mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. right and so or equally to feel like there is a place that they can also seek the mental health in, uh, because of the because one of the, one of the biggest things that comes up is the idea of what's called magical thinking. Mm-hmm. Now, for those of you who are wondering what's magical thinking, depending on who is again describing the context of this, magical thinking is the idea that something is magically going to happen just because we think it is and that is a way that acknowledging say the spirits of a river or wanting to enjoy communing with nature there are ways that there have been practices over the let's call it centuries that have demonized that or indicated that someone is mentally unwell because they would rather protect the sanctity of a water source which they draw life from, then pollute it. Mm-hmm. And that's a big one, especially when we start talking about the cultural uh, beliefs of people who are BIPOC and not purely part of the big three or, shall we say, Western life. Right. And I think that, you know, so many um, people who are seeking it therapy support, um, mm-hmm. who are, um, I mean, I think in general, but especially for those of us who are BIPOC, you know, we are carrying different parts of ourselves, um, that we are reconciling in this mm-hmm. work. And, and, you know, our spiritual self is just as present as, mm-hmm. you know, some of the other parts of us that we are trying to work with or work, you know, um, lead to a mm-hmm. different place, including those parts of us that are, have been wounded um, or traumatized. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it's really important that 
you know, when we're talking about, you know, safety, which, you know, that word is relative, Mm -hmm. but, you know, a sense of safety that we're creating in this work that we are allowing space for all the pieces to show up. um, And that includes culture and that includes the spiritual self and that includes our ancestral connections, whatever those are for someone, or even the idea of exploring that. And that includes the uh, advocacy parts and the you know, the parts of us that have to fight every day or mm-hmm. that have to deal with the social political stuff that's happening um, because of our, our race or culture. Um, it's all of those things. And then finding ways to, um, in the safety, the relative safety of our work, to allow all of those parts to be seen and um, worked with and reconcile with one another. So, you know, I think it's so important that we're moving past the place of just magical thinking, um, which so many of us are conditioned to think like if you just pray about it or if you just do these things that, you know, it'll work itself out. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it does. But, you know, we also know, especially those of us in these intersecting communities that, you know, there is a level of active work. Mm-hmm. to manifest the kind of wellness that we want in our lives. And that doesn't usually just fall in our laps. Mm-hmm. And so if we can bring all of ourselves to a space, then maybe we can make some inroads and in moving forward. Very much so. Because, yeah, that aspect of pray it, pray it away, which is often what we hear in, is on, yeah, that can also appear in the, non-alternate thinking methods too and sometimes sadly also be cultivated because somebody's not actually looking at their wounds yeah they can find the stories and a connection with the various other spiritual deities other sense of nature that can match their wound and then they stop as opposed to also recognizing it's like okay how did this spirit then go beyond its wound yeah how do we connect to um and identify the um the the pieces that wound us and then also the pieces that help us to thrive and Mm. the pieces that empower us to move past one Mm. um you know uh, experience or moment in our life or or whatever the case may be um so that we can get to a place of relative um wellness healing whatever word we want to put on it, um, Mm -hmm. balance, uh, all those things. Mm -hmm. And yes, I think all spiritual stories and connections can give us some idea of, you know, um, at least in that, you know, kind of snapshot, how that particular deity or that particular um, spirit or ancestral kind of story got from a place of woundedness to, you know, the next stage, whatever Mm -hmm. that is. Um, if we are looking for that. And I think mm-hmm. sometimes in our woundedness, we get, um, I don't want to say stuck as in it's a bad thing, because it's not, but I think we get kind of stuck in the, the pain of it. And mm-hmm. sometimes it's hard to move to that other place, right? Mm-hmm. Which is why we're here. Exactly. So <laughs> then there also becomes our struggle too of normalizing in this venue that mental health, seeking a therapist, uh, is actually normal. And frankly, there's a lot of those spirits who says, no, I'm not the one who needs to address this. The therapist does. Absolutely. Absolutely. That, yeah. That we are many ways tools of 
those spirits as well. Yes, absolutely. In the same way that I think that, you know, so many healers, um, Mm -hmm. as a, as a use of that term, um, are is just extensions of, you know, their, their connection to spirit, Mm -hmm. um, in the work that they do. And I think, you know, um, we as therapists and, you know, um, we have the ability to, to use, to be an extension of change and, Mm -hmm. and connection to spirit and also bring some additional tools Mm-hmm. Um, in that process. And that's a really powerful combination. Mm-hmm. Which doesn't usually get well showcased. Um, but then again, that's also one of the difficulties we have in some ways with therapy, because it's not something that is on display for everyone to see because of right. how vulnerable the parts that some cases have to be addressed. And that sense of safety can't be voyeurized correct yeah yeah for sure for sure and i think that you know in addition to that you know there's also this piece that it's hard for us to ignore when we are um bipoc therapists of course that you know that we you know therapy itself is pretty um colonized Mm -hmm. and uh you know for lack of a better term and so you know the way that it not only do people not get to watch it as you're saying or get to see what a therapeutic process looks like um for all the reasons um but also there is this kind of um reputation mm-hmm. um and history that mm-hmm. uh, therapy work um has um that we are actively undoing mm-hmm. um as bipoc therapists so that people of all different types can feel safe in seeking this type of support. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't mean that every BIPOC therapist is the right therapist for you to work with. Not at all. Equally, not every issue that a, uh, that somebody thinks that they're coming to work with is actually the issue that needs to be worked on. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Right. Yeah. Which is often a surprise to everybody, but mm-hmm. <laughs> yes, Absolutely. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. And just consider how many different stories are there are out there about, say, a trickster deity taking on a different appearance and then suddenly appear revealing who they actually are underneath it. Uh huh. I have some similar stories about that for myself too. <laughs> exactly. So yes. <laughs> and that that and then in that way, that relation to it is also not magical thinking, but it is a way of finding that connection to this situation. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Very much so. Very much so. Um, And I think a part of that connection also, you know, is a relationship, building relationship with these different parts of ourselves and different deities or different stories, whatever that means for us, Mm -hmm. so that we can internalize it and move to action Mm -hmm. instead of just being stuck in that kind of magical thinking or, you know, being stuck in um, the inability to move forward. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Very much so. And I think too, and other aspects is there, there is and then the sense of the over identifying with the wound or the DDUs like, Oh, they always had this place and they never again moved beyond it. Mm-hmm. And I think about the example of, as is often said, many of us who work in this field are wounded. We're wounded mm-hmm. healers and mm-hmm. the standpoint of did we 
and this classic story that goes with the story of Chiron, who is the epitome of that archetype. Yeah, wounded, went around the world, learning to heal themselves, couldn't heal the wound that they had, but that knowledge was something they could pass on to help others heal. Right. And just imagining somebody who is who just stopped at that aspect of Chiron is wounded. He's seeking some help, but never actually gets healed. Which is an, actually an interesting metaphor for the entire story of Dr. Strange, the MCU. Hmm. Hmm. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, so, I, interesting I, sideway just popped in my head. <laughs> I, um, I really like that, you know, um, point that you're making. I really like that point. Um, you know, it reminds me of, uh, I guess, I guess I would say, you know, the, the humility that is required in this work, mm -hmm. um, that we are not, um, really any different than anybody that we're working with. We're all in this process of learning about what it is that we need and how to take care of ourselves and how to be present in the world around us. Um, and, you know, the, the being humble and understanding that, yeah, I have my own wounds too. And, you know, we've seen a lot of people in this work that struggle with holding that mm -hmm. about themselves and like they have the best answer. They have the whatever, right. You know, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and, you know, um, you know, even in the story that you were, you know, um, just sharing of thinking about like that applies to all of us in some mm -hmm. ways. And, you know, the lessons that I can bring forward based in my own story or my own um, wounded parts, right? Um, that is a piece of the work that I can do with a person, right? Because it's some of the work that I've been able to experience as well. Um, and at some point, that person that I'm working with may not need to work with someone else. Because mm -hmm. I, you write, like my work is, you know, um, that's what I mean by that humility. Like, you know, like it, it goes to a certain point. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, there are other people who are, are have more or different aspects of the work that they can give. Um, it reminds me, I was just watching, um, oh shoot, what's that, that new, the show on Apple TV? Oh, The Shrink Next Door. Oh. And I was watching that and thinking about, you know, working, you know, this guy worked with, you know, based on true story, he mm -hmm. worked with uh, the, the psych psychologist for um, 30 years. And I'm like, yeah, no. Mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, because at a certain point, right, like there I've, I've given or taught or supported all that I can with the tools that I have. Mm -hmm. right based on all the my own intersecting pieces including my own wounds mm -hmm. right mm -hmm. and there's a, a a place of humility for mm -hmm. us as you know providers to remember that um mm -hmm. so that people can continue to grow beyond mm -hmm. one particular person exactly one particular perspective one particular ideal which I, as you talk about that it's like there's certain thoughts i know in the, the spiritual house i'm part of where you will, while you may be identified as this particular deity's particular uh, child, 
you get farmed out to other ones to do work as well. And there is also that notion that, well, why do I need to be farmed out to these others when this is the deity that I'm connected with? It's like, no, these other deities have power over other places, other things, and other ways of being for you to learn, which you don't hear in, let's call it the big two. That's right. That's right. And I, I, or big three, sorry. Is, yeah. And I think that that is such an amazing um, practice mm-hmm. and way to, and, you know, look at and internalize some of these things we're talking about. I think that's fabulous, right? Mm-hmm. We get to learn and connect and build relationship in many different ways and not just one. There isn't mm-hmm. one magical answer. Mm-hmm. Which also traces back to that classic saying, it takes a village. Uh, yes. That the idea of a pantheon is its own village that's taking care of the mental health of the person. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. It, you know, um, I, I mean, I'm sure, and I don't know that I'm the best person to do this, but I'm sure mm-hmm. there is such a amazing thread there around mm-hmm. the differences in the way that um colonization has impacted the way that we see those concepts mm-hmm. um, and you know the the true authority kind of perspective versus the village mm-hmm. right and how that trickles into spiritual practices and you know the the meta message that we are socialized with mm-hmm. you know here in in the western world at least um, around, you know, you're seeking the one answer or the one person mm-hmm. or the one God or the one right path um, versus, you know, this more collective community of uh, village sense, which is um, much different mm-hmm. than how we are socialized here mm-hmm. in the States. Mm-hmm. Which is its own form of decolonizing. That's right. Yes. So I think that's an excellent spot for us to take a break. <laughs> so um, stay, stick around, folks, and you know, come in for part two of my talk with Crystal Blancet here on Untying Knots, Minds and Souls Untethered. I'm Perry Clark. Talk to you soon. Our lives and the world around us can get messy and frustrating. Untangle and Grow Counseling's focus is to untangle that mess and make sense of it so you have a good foundation to build and grow from. Visit us on the web at untangleandgrowcounseling.com. Perry Clark offers individual psychotherapy, couples and family therapy, and adolescence therapy from a variety of coping materials and resources. Visit untangleandgrowcounseling.com for more information. You are listening to Untying Knots, Minds and Souls Untethered. If you have a question or comment about our podcast, send an email to pclark at untyingknotspodcast.com. That's pclark at untyingknotspodcast.com. And now, back to the program. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Untying Knots, Minds and Souls Untethered. I'm Perry Clark, licensed marriage and family therapist here with Crystal Blanchett licensed social worker, clinical social worker. And one of the things that, whereas we've been talking a bit very much about spirituality and what come in its intersection with mental health, one of the big things that also came up is how have 
the those of us in the alternative spirituality and so forth been looking at the situation we've been in for now going on year three of the pandemic and how does that both align with much of the greater social thoughts and how does it differ so what's been your experience and encounter in this yeah i mean i think um it's been really interesting to watch different um alternative spiritual communities um for lack of a better term um kind of uh reposition during the pandemic um and try to figure out ways to have community and have Mm -hmm. connection um with such huge isolation um and barriers around doing that it's been really interesting to watch that and i think you know, um, of course, like in every other aspect of life, the internet has helped so much, right? Mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. yay Zoom. Mm-hmm. But, you know, <laughs> but I think it's, you know, a real struggle. And I, I think it's really interesting as, you know, there are these periods um, in the pandemic where we are uh, doing better with our numbers. Mm -hmm. Right. Or we're not in a surge. And there's this push for people to be able to be in person um, and kind of watching how communities are navigating that. I find that very interesting. And they're, you know, how people are navigating the vaccine thing, how people Mm -hmm. are navigating, you know, what it means to be safe, um, what things need to be outside. How do we um, have connection in a physical way? Um, Mm -hmm. So that we can have that spiritual connection that we're used to having in, you know, presence with other people, um, but also be safe. And what does Mm -hmm. that even mean right now? So it's really interesting um, Mm -hmm. to watch communities grapple with that. Mm -hmm. As well as that aspect of so much the, depending on the trigger community, the only way to have a, a ritual or that communion with spirit is in a large group. Right. And it's like, uh, yeah, like, yeah, I said, yay, Zoom. It's a very different experience of what does it mean to be in that community to connect with this deity or this energy or this sense of nature via that. Right. And that can also be what helps generate the issues uh, that now need somebody to come into therapy. Absolutely. Um, because I think there's been a whole different world that people have been navigating um, and, you know, how that impacts the spiritual for them, mm-hmm. you know, and not being able to get that um, connection, feeling, support, whatever the case may be that they're used to having in that way, which is one of their kind of supports, their tools um, in managing life for them Mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. is then impacted, right? Then I could see very many ways how it is pushed people to seek support in therapy. Mm -hmm. Um, Their, you know, their resources have been diminished by the pandemic. Mm -hmm. Even though fundamentally disease moments have happened in throughout history and throughout spiritual experiences, it's common, just not on the scale we've been dealing with it. Yeah. Yeah. And definitely, um, I think for us, uh, um, living today, you know, this has been an experience like 
not necessarily like ones that we're used to or that mm-hmm. we've experienced before, especially over here, you know, in mm-hmm. the States. Um, and so I think it definitely rocked people and is rocking people in a mm-hmm. way that we didn't have the tools or resources um, to manage personally. Mm-hmm. Some might say this is where the colonizing idea has hurt even even has hurt us all, especially the colonizer. Yeah, absolutely. 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 And I, you know, it's really interesting when we get a chance to sit and unpack that and and thinking about that from the spiritual community perspective, Mm -hmm. um, you know, like that thread of individualism Mm -hmm. that is such a part of the colonized viewpoint Mm-hmm. versus this sense of what it means to be a part of community and have community connection and responsibility and accountability. Um, and all of that really um, came, came up mm-hmm. in this pandemic um, in every aspect of our lives, but even in the spiritual, you know, community world, mm-hmm. of, you know, how do we, uh, pri- what do we prioritize? Mm-hmm right? What we individually need, you know, I mean, I I say this in not, um, in no disrespect to any spiritual community, but we can be spiritual at home by ourselves too. Mm -hmm. We can connect with our deities. We can do the work that we need to do, but there's something about, um, being with others Mm -hmm. and how we do that. But then how do we reconcile, individual individuality and community responsibility in that process. I don't know that we've ever really been in the spot to make those decisions like this. Uh, Equally, have we ever been in the spot where we've had to even begin to recognize where as that moment between them, because again, it's it's very easy. It becomes that either one or the other It's like, yeah, it's not either one or the other. It's both. And, and yet both sides and I hate to put it in this way, both sides, uh, also has its points where it has its shadows. There is a shadow to collectivism. There is a shadow to individualism. And we can't keep ignoring them anymore. That's right. That's right. Um, the, you know, there's always a, a price when we ignore those mm-hmm. shadows. Um, and even that uh, more so right now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. when we are navigating um, different levels of safety on the physical realm, mm-hmm. right? Like, mm-hmm. you know, um, you know, the harm happens, you know, in other ways too, but I think it's more in your face when people are like, okay, so I could catch this and mm-hmm. I could like not make it mm-hmm. right. That's a whole nother level of, you can't ignore the shadow sides that come with, you know, um, some of these pieces. Which becomes shadow work is a very intense component of spiritual growth and spiritual healing as well, which in many ways can also get lost in the idea of magical thinking. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, And that, you know, people who I'll say that a lot of times in, you know, alternative kind of spiritual communities, the idea of of doing shadow work and the importance of shadow work um, is more accessible to to speak about than in some other spiritual communities. Mm -hmm. But there, you know, I know there's also a lot of fear around what it means to do that shadow work. It's uncomfortable. It's scary. um, Mm -hmm. 
all of the things, you know, and I, I, I personally feel that way. Right. And have for a long time, um, you know, um, the nervousness around, mm-hmm. you know, navigating that shadow work. And I think that's one of the things that the pandemic has really done is that like, you know, it's, it, you know, it's never really a choice, but it's definitely not a choice now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Like you're in it, whether, you know, you like it or not, and you're going to have to, you know, learn what you need to learn from it mm-hmm. um, or, and navigate it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, you know, I think that's really challenging and it's a, it's a really long, uh, you know, shadow work lesson, I just want to say, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. Like, you know, going into year three, right? We're like, oh my gosh, right? Exactly. It's a lot of work. Exactly, exactly. And that realization isn't something that, again, is going to be there for most people. But when we look at these other contexts, these other stories, these alternate places, which is, and I'm not saying alternate facts, but alternate, 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 in a good way, it does start making the sense of what we're going through. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I, you know, um, there are people I would rely on to that do uh, ancestral work um, mm-hmm. uh, in different ways than I do mm-hmm. that are um, quite mm-hmm. amazing. That would be great to answer these kinds of questions, but it do- mm-hmm. really does make mm-hmm. me wonder, um, you know, what is the larger macro ancestral message mm-hmm. that we are learning right now um, that we probably don't want to learn mm-hmm. um, as a society around, you know, some of these pieces, you know, what it mm-hmm. means to be present and making these decisions and um, kind of the, the interconnected responsibilities we have for one another and the individual responsibilities that we have for ourselves in order to heal, do the work, whatever the case may be. Mm-hmm. I feel like there's, you know, it, going into year three, it really, you know, there's a clear, for me, mm-hmm. spiritual message that's being handed down um, by the ancestors that are like, all right, now we're going to learn it. You're going to learn it now. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, right. mm-hmm. Very much so. And I put it this way, Luna, I'm looking at you. We need to get, get things scheduled. <laughs> I said everything I could to not say Luna's name, but that is exactly who was in my mind of somebody that I respect around mm-hmm. a, a, a macro uh, ancestral message. So absolutely, Luna. Shout out to Luna. <laughs> yeah, so as soon as I can get her on, you guys will be able to hear about it. Um, with all of that, and this proved to be a very enlightening conversation that I hadn't expected, this also brings into other areas of not just the pandemic, what we've also dealt with as dealing with racism in the pagan pagan and alternate spirituality communities too. And I think you've written a number of articles and books on this too. That's what I've heard. <laughs> yeah for sure um yeah you know uh it's been um I don't know how well I do kind of know how but it it wasn't my original plan to start Mm -hmm. writing about Mm -hmm. some of those things um in the community um I I kind of got gifted with that Mm -hmm. you know and it came first via you know a publisher who brought the idea forward mm-hmm. um, 
and then from there, I think, you know, the ancestors um, in many ways were like, oh, yeah, about that. Mm-hmm. How about that? Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, I, I feel very blessed to have been able to put some of my thoughts down. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's where a lot of, too, I'll just say, like, for me, a lot of my spiritual and activism and social work and world started to merge right? Mm -hmm. Even before I really recognized that that's what was happening, Mm -hmm. um, started to merge um, where I then, where I was writing about, you know, from the perspective of, you know, a spiritual person, um, a pagan, uh, an alternative religious person, Mm -hmm. um, and really highlighting uh, some of the experiences and needs of uh, BIPOC people inside of a community that is largely Euro- Eurocentric in its mm-hmm. values and the way that it, it in, embraces people. And um, yeah, it's been a blessing to write about some of that. So yes, absolutely. Um, mm-hmm. I wrote in the book, Bringing Race to the Table, um, Exploring Racism in the Pagan Community. And you know that's actually an anthology. So many people wrote in it. I was blessed with um two others to be able to uh edit it to be the mm-hmm. editor um so i have some pieces in it and there's some other brilliant pieces in there written by many um very talented people um just to, to talk about not only the stories um that people have but also some of the you know um how they connect in mythology for in some mm-hmm. areas and activism just the whole kind of larger picture inside mm-hmm. of a pagan community context. And so. Mm-hmm. 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 So definitely we'll have the, the listing of that book in the show notes as well. So that you can, if you're interested, you can take a look at that. So we need, so at this point, I think it's about time we move on to my classic question of what do you think are some of the myths and realities of therapy, not just for someone who is BIPOC, uh, but also someone who is, alternate spirituality right i think some of the myths are that they will come into therapy and we will tell them the right way to be Mm -hmm. um and then the reality of course is that we don't know the right way to be Mm -hmm. (laughs) we're just you know we are supporting people with the tools so that they can uncover whatever it is that they need to make decisions about in their life and how mm-hmm. they navigate, but there is no right way. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And now that, with that standpoint, it like makes me wonder if, again, that's the byproduct of the colonizing, mm-hmm. whether it's the aspect of the power plays that some might see, depending on spirituality being malused for, by those who desire power. Absolutely. Absolutely. I hate to say it, I can't help but think about the movie Lady Hawk hmm. mm-hmm. as just one of those many two many examples we see not just in media but again throughout history. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so you want me to come up with another myth? Oh, if you got another one, we got a little time still. Um. Oh, I think one of the myths. Um, is that we are the experts. Mm. 
-hmm. Yes. Um, that we're the experts. Um, and also that it's like, um, I, I guess the words that the only words that come to mind is that you don't have a genuine relationship mm. with the therapist that you're working with. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. And I think the reality of that is that it is a genuine relationship um, while it's not a regular social relationship um, and it has different kinds of boundaries that we are in an active real relationship um, where we are do we having shared goals Mm -hmm. for a person and working towards that. Um, and that requires a sense of, you know, building, building mm -hmm. a relationship and being, you know, like relative safety with one another and what that mm -hmm. means and to be able to be our authentic selves. And, I, you know, that's a little different for, on the therapist side, but I think it is still so very important that when, you know, people come into our, the work with us or session, they know that their therapist is a real person. Mm -hmm. And that they're not putting on a front and, mm -hmm. you know, like I have some of the people I work with, they're like, oh yeah, I already knew what you would say. <laughs> and I'm like, sweet, that <laughs> saves me some time, right? Because <laughs> we have an authentic, real connection and relationship. Um, even if it is a working relationship, it's not fake. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Which is again, part of what would happen if, if and I remember I wrote this in my, um, paper to get into my grad program it's like priests shamans um they were the original therapists mm -hmm. before we even had the field and discipline of psychology yes 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 the medicine people in our villages and communities the absolutely 100 percent and they, you know, we knew what their skills and strengths were, right? Mm -hmm. um, and how they could support. And we also connected to the fact that they were a part of our village. Mm -hmm. They were, you know, real people. We knew where they were. We knew how to, to get to them and, you know, and they cared, right? Mm -hmm. And so I think, you know, I really like that connection, right? Mm -hmm. Because I don't like the more... Um, the way that Western society um, kind of paints us to be the, like, like a doctor, mm -hmm. you know, or like the all knowing, you know, not to say that some therapists aren't doctors, right. but whatever, you know, where I'm going. Um, yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. Where the, you know, we sit there with the pad of paper. The authority. Where, yeah. That's right. And you come in and you tell us what's wrong and we tell you how to do it differently. And then, you know, let mm -hmm. us know what you need kind of thing versus we are in community together. And mm -hmm. we are a part of a larger village. Mm -hmm. um, and what does it mean to, to work together in that way, in a collaborative mm -hmm. sense, a connected sense, um, where I'm not going to have all the answers, but together mm -hmm. we can really identify some ways to move forward. And uh, that's a powerful thought. Mm -hmm. Very much so. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, you need to go spend some time over there working with the forge guy. Nope, nope, nope. Now you need to go spend some time working with the hunter out in the woods. Now you need to go over here and work on the person who's dying the fabrics. Every single one of them has got something that they'll be able to teach you in perspective. That's right. That's right. And all of them are a part of our intersecting communities, mm -hmm. right? So we get to learn um, here, 
right? Mm-hmm. And and then integrate those pieces that work for us. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think that's the best place we can go with uh, <laughs> what we've got, what we've got time for. Yeah. So where can folks find you, find your writings and your books, anything you might be appearing at? Yeah. Um, well, so um, I have my website, um, BlantonLCSW.com, B-L-A-N-T-O-N-L-C-S-W.com. Um, and I'm on, um, Instagram. I have my social work account that I, uh, post all things kind of mental health, social work related advocacy, um, activism stuff. And that is, um, exploring wellness and liberation. Mm -hmm. And so that's on Instagram. And because I'm a glutton for punishment, I then joined TikTok. And, um, and so that's, um, uh, wellness and liberation on TikTok. And so then you can see silly videos of me. I mean, I'm not dancing in my videos. I'm talking about mental health stuff, mm. but I, but they, I try to make them fun. Mm. Um, and, um, I'm, and for books, I mean, um, your local shops, hopefully like your local metaphysical shops or whatnot may have bringing race to the table. Um, it is available online, um, through all the regular channels, um, and also through Emanion press. And, um, I do want to plug, can I plug something really quick? Sure. Yeah. Um, so I am in conversation right now with um, NASW, which is the National Association of Social Workers, uh, the California chapter, um, to be on a panel around uh, macro social work. And um, the, the title of the, the kind of conference is uh, Macro Social Work Translating Social Justice into Action. And so that's going to be uh, Friday, May 13th. And I'm Oh, they both say Friday. Oh, they are. They're both Friday. Friday, May 13th and uh, Friday, May 20th. So two Fridays in a row on Zoom um, where the NASW is going to have some amazing panels and conversations around, you know, macro social work, policy work, advocacy on the larger scale kind of work um, and holding a core of social justice in Mm -hmm. all of that. And so... Um, I encourage people who, um, are interested to look that up, uh, through NASW California. Um, and if there's any questions that people want to ask, they have, uh, email for event reg. So E-V-E-N-T-R-E-G at N-A-S-W-C-A dot org. All right. I will try to get this up before that event happens if I can. Uh, but since it's two Fridays, if you can't make the first Friday, make the second one. Yes. And I think, you know, in, in the conversations, I'll, I, might, I might be on a panel on the second Fridays. Okay. So that's what it's looking like. All righty. Well, Crystal, I want to thank you again for coming on. And okay, maybe we need to have a part two if, if, as things go on, as we see. And that would uh, be fun. Definitely. Definitely. And I hope you enjoy your rest of your week and holiday because just for FYI for folks, we're recording this in January. Today happens yes. to be the 17th, Martin Luther King Day. Yes. So, again, 
be safe out there. Remember, spirit is with you. And so are your ancestors. Thank you for tuning in for Untying Knots, Minds and Souls Untethered. Be sure to join your host, Perry Clark, for another episode on the podcast coming soon on the Voice America Empowerment Channel.